0: we podcast where the seats are cold but the takes are hot we've got another edition of our 2023 nfl draft position rankings coming at you today we've got tight ends on this episode a group i'm really excited about uh, i think it's a really diverse group i think uh you know brett and i were talking kind of uh, right before we jumped on the pod and hit record um that you know the top four you know consensus top four guys are you know easily top 50 players and i think you know, at least for me, the guys that I have two, three of my all three of my top three guys um, are guys that could potentially be in my top 30. And I think that, um, you know, all four of the top four guys that I have listed, um, if you were to come to me, you know, in, in five years and say or five years from the future and say X player has been the best tight end of the group, I'd go. And it was one of those four. I would go, God, I believe you. Um, so I really like the group some projection here some guys that you feel like you know what they're, they're going to bring to the table so um really fun group to watch a group that i'm really invested in and you know this is not the last i'll watch the tight ends i mean i watched um you know what i felt like was enough to provide an educated and, and legitimate opinion on the pod today um but the, i am far from done watching these guys i'll probably pick this back up after um free agency in the combine honestly um this is a group that i'm gonna get a real, a real pro- i'm probably gonna watch 10 to 12 plus guys because I think the Chargers will be taking one, whether it's day one or day three. They're going to be taking at least one in the draft. So definitely going to get my my eyes on a lot of these guys. Um, but I'm really excited for it today and um excited to see where you have, you know, these guys. I think we all watch we watch the same seven guys. So curious to see where you've got them all um ranked as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh seven guys to talk about today. Um, while I don't think the Ravens are gonna take one this year, like I said in the past episodes, it's uh, still interesting to see a lot of these guys are really big. I mean, this is probably one of the bigger tight end classes we've seen. You know, all of them are at least six four, and all of them are at least 240, I want to say, is the lightest guy. So, uh, big class, they are really different. You know, some guys are more versatile than others. Some guys are better blockers, better receivers. Um, so, a good blend of talent in this class. Um, but yeah, I'll let you kick it off. We're going to start with our two guys that just missed the top five, and then go all the way to number one.
0: Yeah. Um I'll get I'll get um a couple guys here that I had in top 5 and I'll just get my two and then I'll let you get your two and one we'll get it rolling here. I don't want to take too much time with this. Um it's like I'm going to want to talk a lot about the guys in the top 5. Um two guys that I watched that were outside of my top 5 were uh, Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State and Josh Wiley out of Cincinnati. Um gave Josh Wiley the word raw cuz I think he's got a lot to develop in his game. And I think he while he possesses some traits you like in tight end um I think mean, he's got a lot a lot to learn and a lot to improve upon um, as a player going forward in the NFL. But I think he does, does have the tools to be an impact player for you in a couple of years. Um, and Tucker Craft, I gave him the word competition because I feel like, you know, we do this every year with the FCS guys. Um, you know, the big names come to mind are, you know, Trey Lance, Carson Wentz, Christian Watson as of late, um, Cody Mock, Trevor Penning always a couple of, and, and you know, North Dakota state tackles as well. So it's just with Tucker craft, it's like, yeah, he had a great career. He did not have the Dallas Goddard career. He was, he's not Dallas Goddard. Let's just put that out there now. Um, but he's, he had a great career there. at South Dakota State. but it's like, what does that look like against better competition? And we didn't get to see him, you know, really compete against high level guys. Um, so just, I have question marks there. Um, but, again, a guy who I think could, could eventually be an impact guy for you as well. It's Just a play speed thing. You know, he took Christian Watson 10 weeks, basically, right? I mean, it took him a while to figure out the play speed. And when he did, it hit. Now I think Christian Watson was a much better athletic profile for the NFL than than Tucker Kraft might be. Um, you know, I think with these guys, their, their, their combine testing will absolutely change my rankings. Um, whether or not that's flawed, it's just how close these guys are to me um you know in their ranking especially the top three that i have so um you know a craft is a guy who could jump my guy i have at five if he tests really well and i go okay he projects athletically to, to compete in the nfl it's just going to be a matter of time for him right so um but two guys that i liked can certainly be impact guys for you in the future um that i just think are going to take some time in the nfl level that's whether or not my top five
1: Yeah, for sure. I have the same two outside my top five, Uh, starting with Cincinnati's Josh Wiley. He grew up in Cincinnati, 6'6", 250. He's going to be four months from 24 when he's drafted, so really old. Uh, He didn't play in 2018, and he only had two catches in 2019, so five years in college, but really only three years of production. In 2022, he had 32 catches, 326 yards, three touchdowns, and just over 10 yards a catch. Uh, he is one of the biggest tight ends in the class uh, behind Darnell Washington, probably the second biggest. He didn't allow any pressures or sacks as a inline blocker, and he has really good ball skills, actually. Um, in terms of weaknesses, he did play a little high out of his stance, but he did barely decline in production from 2020 to 2021 to 2022. Um, project him late third, he might slip to the top of the fourth. Uh, that's probably around 80 to 100, I'd say. And then Tucker Craft, like you said, out of South Dakota State uh, from Timberlake, South Dakota. So another in-state guy, is 6'5", 255. He's going to be twenty-two and a half and a half at the time of the draft, four hours from campus. Um, one of the many guys opting to stay in state, like I said. His stats in 2022 were 27 catches, 348 yards, three touchdowns, just under 13 yards a catch. So another solid athlete. With pro level build, uh, he did play in some different alignments more so than other tight ends in the class. He did have a monster 2021 20, with a pretty big drop off in 22. Uh, he didn't play against great competition like you said, and really only two seasons of playing time if you take out his freshman year where he had like uh, five catches or something. Um, project him late second, early third, I think. I think he'll probably be more so a third than a second, but definitely a day two guy that you know could definitely provide a difference. Um, you know, we see plenty of tight ends go on day two that end up being really good in the league. Um, but yeah, those are my top two. I guess I'll start off here at five. Um, going to alternate through. We have the same guys in the top five. It's just what order. Number five is Iowa's Sam Laporta. He is six foot four, two hundred forty-nine. He's going to be twenty-two years and four months at the time of the draft. He grew up four and a half hours from campus, and uh, it's always good to be a tight end from Iowa. We see plenty of good tight ends, um, one of the best George Kittle being from Iowa. In 2022, he had 58 catches for 657 yards, a touchdown, and 11.3 yards a catch, so only one touchdown. Um, granted, Iowa didn't throw the ball a ton. He's a great athlete that played multiple positions in high school. He can run multiple routes, and he improved each of his four seasons at Iowa. I noticed he did have a tendency to let rushers go a little too early, and most of his catches were with nobody near him, so not a ton of contested catch volume or just um, exposure and didn't have to you know, fight for the ball or anything like that most of the time. Uh, I project him late second, early third. Similar to Kraft, um, it's just he played better competition. He had better stats, uh, twice as many catches. And they're pretty similar size, uh, same age. So they're pretty similar. Honestly, just what got him into the five-over craft was the competition and, you know, more volume. So 60 to 90 is probably where he goes, maybe 60 to 80. Uh, But definitely a solid guy and could definitely produce at the next level, uh, just being from Iowa and then with what he did in college.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Same number five for me was Sam Laporta. (laughs) The word I gave him was Iowa because he – kind of exemplifies just the Iowa tight end mold sometimes like these guys are plus plus athletes really really high effort blockers they're not always the greatest blockers Now, listen they're not all George Kittle okay George Kittle is a freak but like uh, Sam Laporta gives great effort in his blocks do I think he needs work sustaining his blocks yes Um, but that's a lot of tight ends and you don't find tight ends like you know Darnell Washington who are just six on defensive linemen on the field right like you just don't find that. So what you're looking for is effort, and that's a big one that, that Laporta has. Um, again, plus athlete. I think he's got traits to be a really good after the catch guy. Um, but again, like you like to talk, I'm not going to hammer this too hard. Um, not not a proven player at the catch point. You'd like to see him be a little bit better. Um, a lot, I guess I don't know if you call him undersized at six four two fifty, but he's not as big as a couple other guys we have in the top five. Um, and then a couple of things I'll add um, as well for, for Laporta. I think he, he works the field well, and I think he has proven he can work the short, intermediate, and deep parts of the field, whether that be kind of a, just just a seam route, a post, a corner, or the intermediate, you know, the dig, the out, and then the, you know, the drags, um, you're going to see him run. And I thought he had good hands. I thought he had pretty soft hands, and I thought his rep running was pretty solid. Um, Again, plus athlete helps there. Um, that's something that you see. You know, all tight ends is guys that can be athletic, that can kind of move in an athletic way. Um, it sounds really dumb saying it. I don't know why I am. But you, you get the point. Like, the guys who are able, tight ends that succeed in the NFL level have to be able to be athletic enough to outmaneuver the linebackers you're going to be going up against. And a lot of times now, save, like, bigger safeties. Um, so, I think, I think he has that. I think he has, again, shown the ability to work all parts of the field, which is really why um, competition was why I had him above um, – tucker craft as well uh but number my number four a guy who um i think might have the highest i don't know if he has the highest ceiling in the class but he he really might athletically he's cert- he's certainly the best athlete of the class um that's luke musgrave out of oregon state um the word i gave him was potential because we didn't see a lot of him in college especially this last year he uh what was the what injury did he get was it did he break his leg in like week two what was it? A knee injury in week two. That's right. That's right. I, I didn't, I, some other guy brought it was, a, it. was a, it was a knee injury. Um, so he didn't play at all this year, which, I mean, sucks. Um, cause he was poised to have an awesome year. He he dominated the senior bowl. Um, like I said, he to be the best athlete in the class. No question about it. Um, what I, I don't know if I worry about Musgrave. Um, I mean, he's six foot six. 250 pounds so he's definitely a little bit leaner um which i mean helps with the the athleticism and the bend and and just the overall speed that he plays with um but it's just limited production in the pack 12 and you wonder like what does the play strength look like at the next level what is he how is he gonna play at the next level um it's you don't have a lot of you're projecting a lot with luke he he's the guy you're projecting the most with um just gonna think you haven't seen a lot of him. Certainly as a blocker, but I do think Luke Musgrave can step into an NFL offense, contribute from day one, um, you know, and be a legitimate tight end one in year two. I think it might take him a year to kind of figure out the NFL, but he's a red zone threat. Frankly, he's a threat to, to take a an intermediate ball to the house if he breaks a tackle from a safety. Um, and he's got good size. He, get, he probably played the ball really well at the Senior Bowl. That was what, most of what I watched for his tape. Um, his tape said it was senior bowl stuff because he he balled out. He he maybe it was the, the biggest riser of the week for those that kind of didn't know his name already or n- those that kind of didn't know what to expect from him. Um, had a great week. He's going to blow out the combine numbers. Um, and this is the guy I would say, don't be shocked if he's the if we get four tight ends in round one. It wouldn't shock me just with the strength, with, where the strength of the class lies and where I think there's a lot of projecting going on. If he blows the numbers out of the water, don't don't be shocked if he's like the second tight end taken in this draft simply because he's going to run a ridiculous 40 time. He's going to test really, really well. So, I mean, teams could teams could covet the speed that he's going to bring to the table in the in the just the relative athleticism at the tight end position. I mean, his RAS score is going to be stupid. It's going to be it's going to be in the 90s. So I'm expecting a big combine week from him, um, and it would not shock me if he's a guy that gets taken in the first round. Um, And jumps up NFL teams boards after meeting with him, seeing with the senior bowl and then combine testing. So I'm a big Luke Musgrave fan. I just couldn't put him at at three higher than four with the other guys in this class with the proven production we have from them, if that makes sense.
1: Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Playing in the Pac-12 wasn't quite as good competition as you see the SEC or some other conferences, uh, Big Ten. Um, But yeah, he was my number four guy as well. Um, out of Bend, Oregon, six six two fifty. just, you know, will be 23 in week one, so a little bit older. He did suffer that knee injury in week two, led to a little lack of production, um, and what would really would have been a promising year and would have made the tight end class a lot more interesting at the top. Grew up two and a half hours from campus. He's a pretty solid athlete overall, uh, fairly quick and decisive. He's a solid red zone target being 6'6". Six, six. He did need to turn his head a little bit quicker, and in terms of weaknesses, he didn't have much action. Like I said, only 13 career starts and 47 career catches. And he did play a little bit soft at the line of scrimmage, uh, getting it out of his stance, whether it be three-point or you know, a little off the line. I uh, project him 50 to 80. but Like you said, he um, you, you could go, I don't know if I'd say first round, maybe around 40. Um, but definitely a guy that has a promising future and definitely a lot of upside. Um, But, yeah, I guess I'll start with number three as we're alternating through this. I'm going with Georgia's Darnell Washington out of Las Vegas, Nevada. He's 6'7", 270, beat 21 years and eight months at the time of the draft. Uh, He's really productive in three seasons. His 2022 stats were 28 catches, 454 yards, two touchdowns, 16.2 yards a catch, um in terms of strengths he had increased production in game and games played each season. He's a great blocker. He had some movement capability with pass game upside. Uh, He's physically dominant against most competition, makes nearly all contested catches. Um His weaknesses are that being a little bit bigger, he is not a separator and just wins with his size. He had, you know, over 16 yards a catch. Not a lot of that was yak. Um he did have limited reps in the past game with a loaded tight end room and not a ton of pass game production. And he isn't quite as fast. And obviously being bigger, he didn't sink his hips quite as well. I project him 20 to 32, kind of that back half. He might slip to the top of the second. Um, but yeah, I'd say after 20 is a fair bet for him to go, but yeah, he's definitely one of the guys that one of the two in the top three from Vegas. Um, that can really produce and has really shown that at the college level. I think these top three guys are a little bit different just from a production standpoint, and I think we'll see teams covet that more um, on draft day.
0: Yeah, we're going to go three for three here. Um, I got Darnell Washington at three as well. The word I gave him was unicorn, dude. I mean, he's six foot seven. Georgia had him listed at 270. I don't know if he, I mean, who knows what he played at? Could have been 260, 270, whatever. I mean he's going to he's probably going to win at the combine about 260 265 if I had to bet. Um he's my favorite guy in this class cuz he's a nasty dude. I mean, he he's literally a sixth offensive lineman out there, and that's not an exaggeration. I mean, he was dogging SEC linebackers, defensive ends r- routinely. Um I mean, I love the guy. I just the reason I don't have him at one or two frankly was because the two guys at one and two had just stupid after the, you know, catch production and just like touchdown production, yards production. Darnell Washington played behind the best tight end of the country and a guy who might be the best tight end prospect like we've seen in the last 10 years. And that is including Kyle Pitts. Obviously we're getting the Brock Bowers tape, but Brock Bowers is an absolute freak. Um, the thing with Darnell Washington is like, he, I mean, you can literally, you can line him up anywhere. And it it it's going to allow the team that drafts him to come out in really unique personnel groupings, whether that be 21, 22, 12, 13, 11, whatever you want to run. You can line him up as an inline tight end, as a wing tight end, as an H-back. You can put him out in a, in, in a trip set, in a bunch set, in a stack set, and it's soloed out. I mean, you put him wherever on the football field, he's going to succeed. Um, and he's, he's he's awesome. Um, He's a wide receiver screen monster. He was ruining defensive backs all year. Um, he did some horrendous things to some of the LSU DBs in the conference championship game in Atlanta. Um, I mean, some hor- some heinous crimes were committed against the secondary of LSU. Um, the whole, the Oregon hurdle after the catch is what the flashes of what he could be as a yak guy. Um, he drags tacklers. You're not going to arm tackle him. Um, and he's going to force defenses to play a heavier box when he is in line in the game, um, in the backfield or, or in line, because you can't just stick a, a safety then on him. He's going to manhandle him. I mean, he's 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 number one, he's massive. Number two, he's really strong. He's a good he's a good blocker. He's really strong. So um, and he plays with the mentality of like, I'm the baddest MF on the field. He plays like that. I mean, there's some guys that don't that are that big. They don't play like that. Donald Washington absolutely has the mentality and plays like that so something you love to see a couple negatives you are heavily projecting what he can be as a tight end one um I didn't I didn't want to say that like Luke Musgrave was the biggest projection because it might be Darnell Washington because you're projecting the traits that he has that can transit to the NFL level and what he can be as a primary tight end like is he a dependent primary tight end on you know down in and down out right like you know I don't know if you can lean on him as much as you can, but a guy like Brock Bowers. Um, he's not necessarily a plus yak guy from like a speed standpoint. And I don't know what that's gonna look like the next level. Um George really didn't throw him the ball a ton. I mean, they they threw it to him plenty. Um, but I just I don't know if he's like a niche player. Like in the NFL, is he like a blocking tight end plus like a red zone threat? Like, is he a guy you can run out on every single down? Um, and then the big one for me. Um, how does his body hold up across an entire season as a tight end one, a lead tight end? He didn't get a full workload at Georgia even his third year, even though he played a lot of snaps. He got banged up a couple times, didn't play the second half of the LSU game. How does his frame, the the, the unique frame, hold up at tight end across a 20-25 to 25 week season with NFL regular season plus training camp plus potential playoff run? Because this guy's going to a playoff team. I mean, he's going to be picked in the 20 to. I think he's a first-round pick. If he's not, it's a steal in the second round. Um, but he's gonna go to probably go to a playoff team or a team that's gonna contend for a playoff spot. So it's like, how does his body hold up? That's such a let's like that's like basketball players, right? Like they don't have great health for a reason sometimes. Um, so that's the one thing you wonder. And then um, from like a technique standpoint, as dominant as he was in college as a blocker, he has a lot to clean up technically. Um, whether it's footwork, hand placement hand strike um, while he has heavy he has super heavy hands I think the placement is bad frequently I think he's gonna get called for holdings in the NFL if he doesn't clean it up and he's gonna get taken advantage of by NFL veterans who recognize the fact that he's false stepping almost every rep he's stepping under himself and then getting into his he's not taking a good first step and getting where he needs to go to go block a guy he was using the fact that like hey I'm six foot seven 270 pounds I'm just gonna go bully this guy and that works. And that works in college. Trust me. And so he didn't really need to be a technically refined player like the two guys ahead of him needed to be or are. Um, I think he needed some work there. Um, but again, this guy. Has the potential to be an absolute monster and a, and a total freak of a weapon for somebody. And he's going to be a first round, like, frankly, charge need a tight end. He might be my favorite tight end for them to draft because he's easily the best blocker. And I think that, like the what he profiles as could he could be a freak. But you're just you're projecting a lot of what he can be as a lead tight end in a room. Um but I'm a big fan of Darnell Washington's and um really looking forward to getting in kind of what he sees testing at the combine, all that stuff. Um I'm gonna like get to my number two guy, and this will be the test. We'll see if we uh see if we go hit, go shot for shot here. I've got Dalton Kincaid. Out of Utah at tight end two for me. Um, the word I gave him was dominant because as a USC fan, everyone watching the game in in Utah and Salt Lake City knew Dalton Kincaid was getting the football the entire second half. At, literally everybody knew. I think Lincoln Riley knew, Alex Grinch knew, more importantly, everyone in the stadium, everyone watching, and no one was stopping him. He, he's dude, he went for like what? 16 catches for like 200. And so I'm gonna look up the stat. I didn't write it down. I should have, um, because he had just the most ridiculous stat. This is maybe the dumbest stat line I've ever seen for like a tight end, like maybe ever. Um, let me pull up his stats while I'm while I'm talking about him. Um, he dominated games though. I mean, he was an absolute monster. Um, for Utah this year, they lean, he was he was the weapon in, in the passing game. 16 for 234, a to touchdown. Uh, with a long of thirty. Um literally the entire second half. It was like, all right, it's a Dalton Kincaid show. He's taking and he took over the game. He genuinely did, which I don't know if any other guy did um in a in a winning effort. I'll say Michael Mayer had a similar game against USC. They just didn't win. Um but Dalton Kincaid, guy with a kind of a unique story, um you know, played what was it? I think he played two was it two years or one year at um at San Diego. He played. He was at. He's like University of San, not like San Diego State, like University of San Diego. Um, not UCSD, like just San Diego. Played there for what two years? Um, transfers to to Utah in 2020. Um, played in all five games in, during the COVID year. Played in all 14 games with with 13 starts in 2021. Um, was actually not the lead tight end for Utah this year going into the year. Um, played 12 games, all 12 games, but in only started nine of them. So um, ended up getting a start, kind of due to injury early in the year, um, and absolutely dominated. I mean, he has two two seasons of really good tape. Um, what I'll say about Kincaid is he might be the most well-rounded of the class because I think he's not the blocker that 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 that, that Mayor is, but he's a super. He he might be. A, he, I think he's a higher effort blocker than Mayor's, which matters to me a lot. Because um, I think in the NFL you can get stronger. You, uh, guys are gonna get st- when they're in an NFL system for two full years. Like a lot of times you see guys who have these like strength problems in college or like question marks. They take a big jump from year one to year two if they're, if they're getting after in the weight room because of the fact they're in a, they're in a program for a full year. Like they have full full offseason in an NFL strength conditioning program. So I think I, I think the play strength worries aren't gonna be too. Much of a worry for Kincaid to be honest. I think he can get there with the effort that he plays with. Um he's such a nuanced route runner and a nuanced pass catcher. Um he he played every level of the field really, really well. He contested it was great. Like if Sam Laporta was the contested catch guy that Dalton Kincaid was, Laporta would be a top fifty player. I mean, they say profile similarly. Obviously, Kincaid's so he's 40, so he's a little bit lighter, a little leaner, but um He's just such a well-rounded guy. Um, Hard not to like. He's an awesome dude. Um, There's a couple guys kind of within the Chargers space that I follow um, that are huge fans of Kincaid, And so I've got to see a lot of him throughout the season, a lot of his, um, you know, all 22 clips. Um, It's hard not to like the guy. Again, he's going to be 23 on draft night. That's the what's the what's the big knock is like, man, how much better does Kincaid get? That's the question, right? Like, How much more like do is this his ceiling? Did he play his best football? Is his best football way ahead of him like it is with Darnell Washington, like Luke Musgrave, like it might be for Michael Mayer. You know what I mean? So uh, now I think it is. I think he I think he'd be a terror for NFL offenses. The yak ability might be like I said the best in the class because he's a little smaller and he's not as fast as Luke Musgrave. Great yak ability though. Has the innate ability you like to see. He just finds the soft spot in defenses, and he and he and he he's usually good for a broken tackle off rip um kind of right off the catch and I just frankly I really I really enjoyed the cleanness of his tape again gave me some some stuff cleaned up as a blocker technically he's not the most sound he's definitely sounder than Washington is um but it's the high effort thing that I really like to see from him um and again the ability to kind of dominate at all parts of the field um is very valuable and um there's only one guy that dominated the air as much as as much as Kincaid. did and that's why the guy's at one but um I'm a huge Dalton Kincaid fan wouldn't be mad if the Chargers selected him at 21, nor would I be mad about Washington. Um, I think, I think Kincaid's an awesome player. Um, and frankly, if he tests substantially better than Michael Mayer, you might be at one for me after the combine.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Kincaid is a guy that reminds me of a little bit of Mark Andrews, just in the way he, mm-hmm. you know, can get through the defense and find the soft spots and stuff like that. Um, but my guy at number two is Kincaid uh, out of Las Vegas. 6'4", 240, like you said. He's going to be turning 24 on October 18th, uh, so definitely an old guy. Um, grew up just over six hours from campus. Uh, he played in 12 games. He went to high school 30 minutes east of Darnell. He had 70 catches, 890 yards, eight touchdowns, and just under 13 yards a catch. He led the country in receiving and yards or receptions and yards as a tight end he's an explosive runner with pretty crisp routes he had soft hands and he's a well rounded athlete um arguably had a better year in twenty nineteen he's a five year player uh, not the best blocker pretty much just like a big wide receiver uh in line not too strong and might not be best suited for an in line blocker like i said um Obviously, stuff to clean up, like you said, with the blocking. Project him 20 to 32. I think he's going to be a first-rounder. Overall, solid, clean, like you said. I think what differentiates him and Mayer is not not only Mayer, better blocker, and that he's almost two whole years younger and 25 pounds heavier at the same height, but he also had more production, I think. Overall, he had better stats. He was more efficient with his years in college. Two big things for me are how old are you and how did you improve year to year? And I think Mayer did that more so, and that's why he's my number one guy. Um, out of Independence, Kentucky, he's six four two sixty five, and he won't turn 22 until July, I believe. Uh, he grew up just over four hours from Notre Dame. He played in 12 games and logged a good bit of snaps over 800. Um, 2022 stats, he had 67 catches, 809 yards, nine touchdowns, and over 12 yards a catch. His strengths, there's a lot of them, um, you know, ball skills, size. He has a pretty solid run game impact, and he's a really good line matchup against linebackers underneath. He wins the 50-50 balls. Um, just some quick things weaknesses is that he doesn't have the best speed and agility and it didn't seem like he ran as many routes as Kincaid um, or even Musgrave I think he wasn't utilized to his maximum potential in that offense um, now it's unfortunate that you can't see him in next year's offense which I think will be better uh, for Notre Dame but at the end of the day he has the tools to be really productive at the next level I think he's going to be a top 20 pick um, I don't think any tight ends get taken before like 10, probably. I uh, but definitely, you know, we could see one or two go in the teens. The I main think, thing,
0: 15 is a spot. 15 degree is The biggest one for me right now right. at least, but
1: yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing for me that like, obviously he's at one, but the biggest knock is that he's like change of direction. Isn't great. And he didn't run a ton of routes that's nitpicking though. I mean, obviously he has a really well-rounded game Uh, in tight ends. You know, a big emphasis is can they catch and can they block? And he definitely can do both of those and had really good production in his years at Notre Dame.
0: Yeah. So obviously mayor is my one as well. The word I gave mayor was natural. Um, I think he looks the most natural playing tight end of these guys Um, from just kind of an all around standpoint. Um, so I, I have a I have extensive I've been watching Michael Mayer for like a month now, um, because he's a guy that I think if is, is on the board at 21 that the Chargers are gonna love. Tom Telesco has a Notre Dame connection. He's always draft. I mean, I think in he's probably done what 10 ish draft 10 drafts by right now. This is 11th, I think. He's drafted a Notre Dame guy in like eight or nine of them. So, um, and just the fit I think works out. I think a lot of teams are are a lot of people are pegging Mayer to the Chargers. So, I've been, I've been watching him for a minute now. Um, one of, if not the most, I think he is the most prolific tight end in Notre Dame history um, in three years of college football. So, he doesn't offer a ton after the catch, like you said. Um, but what he doesn't offer after the catch, before the catch, he's the best tight end in the class. He's not going to separate with speed from guys, but he's such a savvy route runner and he's got that innate ability to just sit and find soft spots in zones or run a route and just get physically get separation from a receiver. And I'll say this, he's the best contested catch guy in this class that I didn't see. I mean, granted we didn't get a lot of him. Darnell Washington, he's six foot seven. So he might be the best guy in the class from a contested catch standpoint. But for me, like boxing out defensive backs and just body control, it, it might be mayor. Just again, the ability to just simply just beat defenders. I mean, it's just, He's beating him every single way you can beat a defender. He's basically done it. Um, He's a, he's a great blocker, great hands. Um, His career stats are ridiculous. 180 grabs, 2,099 yards and 18 touchdowns. Um, Only has 12 career, 12 career drops um, with five of them coming as a true freshman. He's been the focal part of, of the offense for two years. I mean, literally for, as a true sophomore, he was the number one option in the entire offense um and, and as well as a freshman who's a major major part of the offense as a freshman um again he's not going to be the fastest guy on the field but he's an awesome route runner i think um he's a savvy player great he's i mean incredible back to the ball i think he's the best in the class at recognizing what his quarterback needs and how to get to him and, and get where he needs him to be he's a red zone monster with his ability to just kind of get open um and and box out you know re, you know defensive backs and linebackers um like i said Plays a scramble, drew probably the best in the class. A um, couple of things I'll get, I'll get to with him in, in kind of the con aspect. Um, not the best out after the catch. I wish he'd threatened the defense with his legs more. Now I'll say this. If I pull up his, I have his little like Notre Dame player deal here. He was 265 as a junior. I believe in 2021, I believe he was like 10 pounds lighter, if not 15 pounds lighter. So like, if I can get this to adjust, here we go. Yeah, in 22, Michael Mayer was 251, so 14 pounds lighter. He moved a hell of a lot better at 251. I think his sweet spot should be about 258, like split the difference there, um about 258, seven pounds in the middle. Um, thought he moved a little, I don't want to say too slow. I thought he was a little, he wasn't as agile as he used to be a year prior. And I think he can get by seven pounds lighter as a blocker in in an NFL strength, conditioning, you know, system. So, um, while if, if you only watched this year's tape from guys, Kincaid's probably your one. And I understandably. So, but I think when you take into account the fact that mayer has been an absolute dominant force in college football for three full seasons, took over as a starting center from day one as a true freshman at Notre Dame, which is beyond impressive. Um, You know, I think that he's a guy that you look at and go, if we can get him to the sweet spot of his of his measurables, this guy could be an absolute monster for 10 plus years. And I and I hate I hate when people are like, oh, 10 year starter. Boom. That just doesn't happen. You can't throw the ten. I think this guy could be a 10 year starter type of dude. He's just so consistent. He's the most consistent guy in the class. I think you saw reps of Kincaid. We kind of got got whipped and it's like I just you don't see that with with Mayer. He's such a steady heartbeat, smooth dude. You know what you're getting every single rep. Is he the highest ceiling guy in the class? Probably not. Because of the, I won't say limited, but lesser athletic upside than other guys have. He may not have the highest ceiling, but he's certainly the highest floor guy in the class. And I think his ceiling is plenty high where he could be a top five tight end in the league. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Mayer. Again, it's really close between, I think if you could say, Oh, but if, if we had this for this guy or if we had this for this guy, any of these guys could be at one, if, if, especially in one through three. Um but again with with the the reality we live in right now, pre combine, Mayer's my one. I it would not shock me if he's ten pounds lighter at the combine. So he runs faster. Um but if he runs good at the combine, he's gonna be at top fifteen. He probably goes at fifteen to Green Bay, I think. Um with or without Aaron Rodgers there, Jordan Love's gonna want a tight end. Robert Tunney's a free agent, probably not gonna come back to Green Bay. I think he wants a fresh start. I think Green Bay wants a fresh start. So, um, I I peg Green Bay as the first like tight end, real tight end spot. I mean, you could say New England, but they they've sunk they've sunk so much money into tight end in the last few years. They just I don't know if they're gonna is is Hunter Henry a free agent this year. Um, I I have to pull up spot track. Think well. so. I think he has one more year i think he does too well either way they also have W. smith in there um let's see spot track says should have done this before this is bad podcasting for me then no he is under contract next year um this dead cat i mean they could save 10 million by cutting him but i don't think they need to i think they have like plenty of cap space if i'm not wrong um Either way, I, I they're not taking a tight end. I think I think mean, they need a receiver more than they need a tight end. So Green Bay at 15 is really the first. I mean, unless like Houston wants one, but I think 12 is rich for a tight end in this class. I think the corner talent that's going to be there is far too great. Um, so I think I think Green Bay's first. I mean, Mayor fits that offense really well. They've never really been a team that's like, oh, we want the best yak guy ever, is a tight end. They, they like to have more possession guys. Um. And it wouldn't shock me if, they, if they're going to go with Jordan Love. It wouldn't shock me if they wanted just like a total security blanket from day one guy, which is Michael Mayer. Um, I didn't mention this. Maybe the best catch radius in the class. I don't know why that is. I mean, it should be Donald on Washington, but you throw the ball at me. He's catching the ball. He's, he's adjusting to the ball and catching it. I forgot to mention that, but the huge plus I had for him was just the ability to just catch the ball whenever, wherever it was thrown to him. Played with some bad quarterbacks in Notre Dame, dude. Some tough tape to. I don't know if I don't know how many games you watched in 2022. It's some tough tape to watch, dude. They had some bad quarterback play this year. Um, God, I I so wish for him he could play in this next year's offense for them. I well, imagine this. He plays in the offense that Dalton Kincaid played in this year. That's because it sounds like they're gonna hire the Utah OC. Yeah. Can you imagine that's that. That's right. Mm-hmm. God, that's crazy. Imagine that guy gets to go from Dalton Kincaid to Michael Mayer if Mayer was still there. Be crazy, man.
1: No, no, uh, I mean, you look at this tight end class as a whole, and I think you know Kincaid and Mayer are kind of in a tier, and then you have Darnell and Musgrave are probably in a tier, mm-hmm. and then you have everyone else, like in terms of day two guys, you have you know Kraft Laporta,
0: Wiley guys like that um and there's and there's other guys we didn't get to I mean right, bluntly, like we just didn't get to a lot of guys, um but like. Cameron Latu from um Alabama. from Alabama is a guy. Um, Julio Billingsley, a guy who was at Alabama. Interestingly enough, he quit the team at Texas after he transferred. It was at the collegiate at NFL Collegiate PA Bowl. Like, you tell me. I have no idea. But yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other guys in this class to go look at, and I'll get to him eventually. For this show, we didn't need to watch all those dudes. Um, but there's like you said, there's I mean, there's other guys to get in this class as well. So. Um, but I I do think you hit the nail on the head. I think there's a, a, a tier right now, and I think you can label it like proven production at the top, and then you've got projection, elite projection in the 3-4, and it's like, where does everyone else fall, right? So, I don't think right. you hit the nail on the head there.
1: Yeah, you know, only seven guys this week, a little bit quicker uh, review of them, pretty efficient in how we talked about them. Uh, it did help that we had them all ranked the same, uh, just kind of, you know, alternating who we were talking about first. But yeah, like I said, um, not quite as many guys this week as we saw last week with the edges where we each had like nine or 10 guys. Um, but to round out the episode here, as y'all know, tomorrow we have the super bowl 57 to round it out. We're going to give our preview, uh, you know, maybe our favorite prop bets, maybe a score prediction. I think the line right now is Eagles by one and a half. um, I'm going to go Eagles to win. I'll start it off. I think the Eagles are going to win. I think they're more complete. I think the Chiefs have too many injury questions. You know, even outside of Mahomes right now, their whole wide receiver core is banged up. It looks like a couple of them will be able to go. But at the same time, two weeks off, uh, you know, not any game action in at least three weeks for some of those receivers. So I think it's going to be tough. Uh, Obviously, if you do have Mahomes, you have a chance. And I think it should be a good game down the stretch. I think one and a half is a good line. You're basically picking a winner. Um but you know, I'll make it interesting. I'll say the Eagles win. We'll go thirty one to twenty seven. I'll say the Eagles cover uh 27 Game is at five thirty central tomorrow. Uh for those of you that did not know. Um but yeah, what do you think is gonna go down?
0: Um who's it I got? Uh Eagles minus one and a half. I'm gonna take the, I think the Eagles win. I'm taking Eagles Eagles to cover. Um I do have a Super Bowl square. I have I have Eagles four Chiefs seven I believe great squared again put that out there fourteen seven twenty four seven twenty four seventeen thirty four set thirty four thirty seven I mean I'm twenty four twenty I'm in covering my bases here you know what I'm saying so um no but I think um I'm on Fanduel right now obviously I can't sports bet in Texas which is a crime
1: I hope they pass soon. this
0: bill dude I'm I'm needed. I need it so b- There's some there's free money on FanDuel right now. Yeah. Anytime touchdown score, Isaiah Pacheco at plus one fifty, Miles Sanders plus one thirty. Give me those. J- Jalen Hurts plus one hundred to score a touchdown. Hand me those odds every time. I mean, dude, Mahomes is a plus four fifty to score a touchdown. I'll take the I'll take those odds. Um, MVP odds. I mean, it beats me who's gonna win MVP. Um, but I'll give a couple of my favorite. Uh, if I kind of open up these let's see Super Bowl specials, so let's do scoring props. Maybe let's do scoring props. I like these. Um, let's see. Team with more time or game props. Team with more time of possession. Don't like that one. First team to commit a first converter first down. Listen, either way, the prop bets are great. This is why. This is why I wish I could sports bet. This and and the NFL draft because I'd be making free money there as well. Um. But, no, I think, um I guess from a game standpoint, I'll get to that, I guess, more. The, the get, we can, I can run through props all day. That's kind of lame. um But, no, I think if we – I think if we see what we've seen from the Eagles all year, going to be heavy pressure, and it should probably get home with no more than five rushers. um thing that worries me with Kansas City is, like, outside of Travis Kelsey, is there anybody that's going to be able to get open against this Eagles secondary? And – as I mentioned, the O line looked okay at best. Uh pass blocking against Cincy. And this is the best defensive front in the entire league. Second best behind maybe maybe second best behind 49ers with the linebacker play there, but still the top three def- top three front in the in the league. Um Hassan Reddick is playing like a madman with the fact that he was snubbed as a defensive player of the year finalist. Um I mean, the guy's been t- on a tear in the playoffs. I don't think it stops now. I think he's going to have a great game. Um, it, this reminds me of what we're going to get with what we had with Tampa, where it was like the O-line's kind of banged up for Kansas City. Now it's Mahomes that's banged up. you not going to be able to run. It's like – and it's just this monster defensive front. It's like this – I mean, if you look at, like, past winners, I mean, defensive fronts are the key to winning the Super Bowl, right? Like, you look at the Rams – Aaron Donald won him the won him the game line. I mean, Jamar Chase was wide open. But all Burrow had to do was get the ball off and he was scoring. And he couldn't because Aaron Donald was in his face. I think you think about that New England front that won him that won of a Super Bowl, I mean every year. But especially in twenty eighteen when, the when they beat the Rams or twenty nineteen when they beat the Rams. If you look at the Eagles team to beat the Pats, you look at just I can go down the line and talk about it, right? the front seven is the key to the game. So I'm taking the team with the best front seven. Um and frankly, I don't know if Kansas City's defense is going to be able to stop the multifaceted offense. Frankly, it's the best offensive line of football. The Eagles are so good, and they're going to be so good for so long. That's the that's the scary thing about them. Um, I will say this: I tweeted this this week with the Chris Sims quote about how Jalen Hurts is like the easiest quarterback job in the league. Is the Eagles' quarterback job easy? Yes. Is Jalen Hurts also a phenomenal football player? Yes. Both can be true. I do want to say that on the like on the on the record, like both things can be very true. This is not Brock Purdy. This is not a Brock Purdy situation. Jalen Hurts is a stud. He's been a stud. He's a great player. Jalen Hurts has vastly improved as a thrower. He's not. A top, I'm not saying he's a top half quarterback. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Burrow. He's not Allen. He's not Lamar. He's not Herbert. He's not Trevor Lawrence even. But he's a really he's a damn good football player. He's a damn good top ten quarterback easily. He's a damn good player. Not saying he's a scrub. So, like, you know what I mean? So, I just, I thought that was a kind of a lame quote. I thought that Chris Sims was just looking for attention with that one. And both things can be very true at the same time that both guys are absolutely capable of, you know, winning Super Bowls. So, I just, I wanted to get that out there. Um, that I'm a Jalen Hurts believer. Um, now is he the Super Bowl MVP? I don't know. Might be a Son Reddick. I mean, what are those odds? Shoot. What are the Hassan Reddick? Let's see. Plus 3,500. Bro, if, if you have five bucks to throw on a bet, throw it on Hassan Redick at plus 3,500 3, to win Super Bowl MVP. Or I don't hate the Darius Slay odds at plus 8,500. Five, five, Josh Sweat plus 15,000. Dude, throw five bucks on that. He could have, have a strip sack late in the game. He's a beast. Nah, I love this. Free money. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I agree. This should be a really fun game overall and definitely a lot of interesting bets uh, to look at. But uh, unfortunately, might have to wait till next year in that front. But yeah, it should be close. Um hopefully the halftime show is good from Rihanna, uh national anthem from Chris Stapleton and
0: well, I didn't I didn't be, see who was saying the national anthem. Good yeah,
1: good choice I'm looking forward to it. Um but yeah, overall good episode today. I think this is our Sixth one or fifth one fifth one uh next week we have interior defensive linemen. uh spoiler. we probably have the same top two. There's a massive drop off from the top two to the rest
0: um I'm, I'm curious to see what you think about Kalija can't say after watching this tape because he's like the biggest people think he's a fourth right. round people think he's a day three player or like a top ten player so but yeah, spoiler alert, number one's gonna be the same for literally everybody in the entire world. I'm throwing the G word on him, generational. If anyone was wondering what that was, I'm throwing that label on Jalen Carter. And I don't, and I, I, dude, I, there was nobody I put that label on in last year's class. Nobody. Yeah. No. Yeah. Last year's class was a little, a little weak. Um, and there's, and I'm putting that label on two guys in this class. I'll save, I'll save the other one for. It's not Will Anderson. I'll say you know who it is. I'm sure. Because we've texted about this guy. But y'all will find out in a few weeks. I don't know when that episode is yet. i got to look at this calendar. It's we after have, but... IDL. Oh, shoot. You get it back-to-back weeks, man. Come on. But we're yeah. not going to announce no, that I... position
1: group until uh, no, next no, week's no. episode. Of course not. But, yeah. Uh, next week, we have IDL on Friday. Try to get to y'all on Friday. But before then, we'll have our episode on Tuesday. We're going to update more coaching hires. We're going to have, I'm sure... A Super Bowl recap that's going to be quite uh, full of information, a ton of you know review and talking about that. I think we'll have a standings update, golf update, stuff like that. Um, so tune in. Two episodes a week going on right now. I've got about four more weeks until we pivot our schedule a little bit, um, maintaining the two episodes a week, but pivoting a little bit. Starting with mock draft Mondays, um, six editions of that this year, leading up to the draft. So stay tuned, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Seat Podcast, and we will see y'all on Tuesday. See you
0: guys Tuesday.